0: Hello, this is Yolanda Murphy, and welcome to this Exceptional Journey podcast where you will find inspiration to live courageously through adversity, empowerment to live freely despite your past, and ignition to live boldly in your purpose all by walking the survivor's side of life. Good people, it is your girl back again with another episode of this Exceptional Journey podcast, where, as you can tell, if you've been listening all week, we are highlighting young adult cancer um, all this week. It's Young Adult National, actually, Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week. Um, If you've listened to previous podcasts, You already know, but if not, let me fill you in. Um, It is a week to shine, to tell testimonies, for people to share their stories about what they've done, how they face, um, and how they've conquered and still live, um, some with, some no evidence of disease, young adult cancer. So we've already spoken to some amazing rock stars already this week, um, and today is no different. I have my friend Lisa here with us. Um, But before we get started, Let me, as always, go ahead and plug my socials so that we can keep these conversations going. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at This Exceptional Journey. Uh, And then you can find me on Twitter at TEJ Podcast. Also use that hashtag if you like so we can go ahead and connect. Um, Like I said, these things aren't just so that you can listen, but so that we can connect and keep the dialogue going after you listen to the podcast. So please hook it up and find me there. Awesome. Now that all of that is out the way, Lisa, how are you?
1: Hi, Yolanda. I'm well, thank you. How are you?
0: Girl, I'm good. good. I made it. The day, through the day I made it. Okay. (laughs) That's all that matters. But uh, again, I want to thank you uh, for choosing to be on the podcast and for writing on the blog. Um, Guys, you're in for a treat. She's going to read her piece here in a second. She hits and just touches on so many nuggets. So, uh, Lisa, I'm going to allow you to read your piece. um, And then after you read your piece, if you feel, you know, feel free to tell us a little bit more about your journey with breast cancer. Okay.
1: Sure. I'd love to. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Let's get started then. So my piece, the title was cancer statistics and coping with uncertainty. I used to love statistics I loved how I could use statistics to understand my world and guide my decision-making. For example, knowing that seat belts reduce the risk of fatal injury to front seat passengers by 45% is great motivation to wear one. Being aware that running for one hour could add seven hours to your life makes you wanna put on your running shoes. Thinking that you're doing the right thing is comforting and it is satisfying when statistics confirm your decisions. From my late 20s and into my early 30s, I thought that if if I did all the things right, exercise, eat right, maintain a healthy weight, manage my stress, wear sunscreen, don't smoke, and try not to do anything stupid, I would be okay. Through lifestyle management, I tried to minimize my risk for developing an illness like cancer, heart disease, or diabetes. I ran half marathons, took up yoga, switched to a mostly plant-based diet and had regular checkups with my doctor. I felt confident that the good health decisions I made now would help to stave off the development of serious, a serious illness like cancer. In my mind, if I were going to get cancer, it would be much later in my life. Getting a breast cancer diagnosis in my thirties never entered my mind. I received the diagnosis by phone at about 5.40 p.m. on May 9th, 2020. It was the Saturday before my very first Mother's Day as a new mom, and our baby girl was just less than two months old at the time. The news that the lump, which I discovered in my third trimester, was invasive ductal carcinoma, took a while to sink in. I'd been so convinced that this lump would turn out to be a benign fibroadenoma cluster, just like the one I had in my other breast. So convinced, in fact, that I'd forgotten to make the biopsy appointment after after giving birth. My nurse practitioner, to whom I owe so much, had to remind me to make a biopsy appointment during a postnatal telehealth appointment. Yay for COVID. Uh, What were the chances of something like this happening to someone like me at this point in my life? Well, the National Cancer Institute reports a risk of 0.49% for developing breast cancer for women in their thirties in the US. Half a percent, really? (laughs) My risk was not even one whole percent. (laughs) And what about the exercise, healthy food and stress management? In the world of statistics, I guess I'm what you would call an outlier. The nine days between receiving my diagnosis and knowing the prognosis was the hardest week of my life. There was so much uncertainty. I needed to know what stage and type my cancer was. Then I could find the right medical journals to, uh, the right medical journal articles to read and discover the statistics that I could cling to. I wanted to know the survival rate for women my age with my type of cancer. Did I dare to envision living long enough to watch my daughter go to college or get married? It's like being snuggled comfortably in a warm quilt of assured longevity one moment and the next moment feeling cold, naked and vulnerable in the darkness of an uncertain future. I hoped that my doctors and the subsequent journal papers I read would give me the information I craved. And here's the information in all its glory, which I keep in a marked page in my journal to refer to regularly. With my type of breast cancer, HER2 positive, ER positive, PR positive, tumor size of two centimeters and negative nodes, And with the chemotherapy treatment I'm receiving, which was six infusions of Taxotere and Carboplatin, 17 infusions of Herceptin and Pagetta. The three-year rate of invasive disease-free survival is 97.5%. The risk of my cancer returning three years after finishing Herceptin and Pagetta is 2.5%. The absolute risk of recurrence within the next 10 years after a lumpectomy is 35%. But this risk is halved by having radiation, of which I had 20 rounds. At first the prognosis seemed not so bleak, 97.5% survival rate. But then I wondered, what about after three years, and after 10 years? And what if I'm an outlier again? The risk of recurrence in the first three years, 2.5%, is actually higher than the risk of me getting breast cancer in the first place, 0.49%. And the risk of recurrence within the next 10 years is substantially higher, 19%. I also wondered how I would cope with facing treatment again and the associated hair loss, nausea, fatigue, medical bills should the cancer come back. Cancer survivors cannot sit comfortably with the statistics pertaining to their diagnoses and prognoses. They must somehow live with the uncertainty of their futures, knowing that a life, a long life is not guaranteed. However, a long life is guaranteed to no one and becoming acutely aware of this fact through cancer diagnosis and treatment can be viewed as a gift, an opportunity to live and love more intentionally, more fiercely than one would have otherwise, an opportunity to release your grasp a little and to relinquish some control and an opportunity to, to practice faith. In discussing the issue of faith, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. As cancer survivors, we may not be able to see all the steps ahead of us, but having faith that the rest of the staircase is there can give us the the courage to move ahead. And as we place a foot on each step, we can feel the certainty and promise of today. A day to witness, explore, discover, love, and live. We have this day to right our wrongs, correct our mistakes, to hug our loved ones, and to make a difference to someone. We have this day to demonstrate our love and faith to others as we walk through the fire of cancer. So just a reminder, you don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lisa, that was amazing. Oh, oh thank you. First of <laughs> all, I can listen to you talk all day. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but oh. I have an obsession with anything UK, anything like <laughs> since I was little, like it's ridiculous. Me and my friends sometimes talk with like broken accents, like we're really there. It's the funnest thing ever. But um, thank <laughs> you so much for writing this piece. It is so powerful. I don't even know where to dive in. But before we do so, tell me a little bit more about your breast cancer journey. I mean, it says here, um, and congrats on the babe. Um, she what? She's oh, one now. You. You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Um, she yeah yeah she she just turned one um and Yolanda it's so nice to like I'm so looking forward to talking to a fellow breast cancer survivor because I think we may have been diagnosed around the same age mm. um I I was diagnosed um last year and it was when I was 36 yeah. and um yeah same age yeah yep Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yep. Well, not great, but <laughs> it's nice to. I, I'm glad I was correct in thinking we were the same age. Um, yeah. My so my father, he had cancer uh, in his kidneys, and then it it metastasized to his lungs and his liver, and he died when I was 16. Mm. And that's why. Um, that's a bit of background to. The piece that I wrote, I, I, I always—it's going to sound strange or morbid, but I, I always had a feeling I might get cancer. Mm. Um, I just really didn't think it would happen so soon, mm-hmm. and I did a lot to try to you know, to prevent it from happening. Um, so, and health was just such a big part of my identity that uh, when I got the diagnosis, it's like you're instantly, uh, disempowered Mm -hmm. and, um, you instantly feel like a sick person, um, even though you're feeling great. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I found the lump in my left breast, uh, when I was, uh, nine months pregnant and, um, a few years before I'd had lumps in my right breast and had them tested and everything was fine that was benign Mm. and I was so sure that this lump that I'd found during pregnancy was going to be the same thing to the point that I just like I totally poo-pooed it I was just (laughs) like oh I'm not even gonna tell anyone about this. It's yeah. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna just be a pain in the butt to go and get a biopsy after the baby's born. But um so I'm I'm so lucky because I because I I I really didn't think it was important. Um, I think if I hadn't been pregnant and having regular prenatal doctor visits mm-hmm. at the time, I probably would have put off going to the doctor because mm. I was just convinced there was going to be another pain in the butt, fibroadenoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my nurse practitioner felt it and she said, you know, it's very rare, but you can get breast cancer during pregnancy. Mm. Um, you should go get it checked out. So she ordered an ultrasound, which I had three days before my daughter was born. Mm. And they said, "Mm, it looks a bit suspicious, but have the baby first and deal with that and then get a biopsy later. Mm. All the while I'm still thinking this is just fibroadenoma. And how's it gonna? If I have a biopsy, how's it gonna interfere with my breastfeeding? And mm. you know, like I was just so focused on having the baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. And then, and then my daughter was born, and and then COVID happened. Well, COVID, you know, the shutdown had happened, mm-hmm. and everything was just really weird. <laughs> <laughs> as you know with covid absolutely and um i was having telehealth medicine appointments with my nurse practitioner postnatal and she said oh by the way did you go get that biopsy and i was like "Oh, no i didn't and then after that call i scheduled it and this was i actually had the biopsy seven six weeks after my daughter was born mm. And, um, I'm sure, you know, like just getting that news, um, I, and I knew with my dad that a a phone call, one phone call can change your life. Mm, mm. And I thought I was prepared for it, but I was not. Um, and, uh, it was really, really difficult. Um, just trying to cope with, with everything during COVID mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, friends and family tried to do what they could to help us. Um, but, you know, we really needed our parents here, or because our parents are in Zimbabwe, mm. which is where I'm originally from.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. I remember that now. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm from Zimbabwe and um, my mom is British and uh, hence the the British accent. Yes, yes. <laughs> so awesome, so awesome. Yeah. Um so then I um I had a lump egg to me. I mean I had to, you know, did the whole genetic testing thing. I had to wean my baby off uh breastfeeding, which took a while. Um and then had a lumpectomy in July of last year, and uh, and then what happened? Then I started chemo in August, and I I had taxotere carboplatin for six infusions. Um, lost my hair, which I'm sure you know all about, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'm continuing having infusions until July of this year just on the uh, Herceptin and Pagetta, which mm. is, those are the drugs just for HER2 positive, which mm. I'm sure you know as well. Mm. Um, and I also had radiation in uh, February, uh, January, February this year, so. Yeah, so much fun. Uh, (laughs) I have to say the first year of motherhood has just been (laughs) spectacular. Oh my
0: goodness. I can't even imagine. Um, You know, one of the other um, survivors that I've spoken to also had um, a diagnosis during COVID. uh, And she was telling me how she was coping. Um, She's also a mother, she's married. And I, Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. Now, don't get me wrong, of course, depending upon what your course of treatment is. Um, like mine was much like yours. I also had a lumpectomy first. Um, and then I had four rounds of, um, and Taxotere, um, because mine was just hormone positive and HER2 negative. I didn't need anything on the HER2 side. Um, so then I did 30 rounds of radiation. Um, and then but that was all, it was all in the span of 2016, but I, I, I was still able to go out and about. I was still able to go to restaurants and eat with family members, you know what I mean? So being diagnosed during yeah. COVID and having a fresh mm. bundle of joy oh my gosh like I just can't even imagine like this is why you're a rock star
1: in my eyes like this is why oh (laughs) well Yolanda I have to say I and I meant to mention this at the beginning I'm the starstruck one because I listened to some of your podcasts before and I was like oh I'm so excited to listen to Yolanda and talk to her yay that is so awesome yeah, I really, I'm really, really impressed with everything you're doing, and it's and um, the one podcast I listened to of yours was the importance of telling your story, mm. um, and I, I'm relatively more of a private person, but I felt very um, with this whole cancer, baby, COVID thing it's like I just have to tell people what the experience has been like and and share because I'm sure there aren't a lot of people who I hope there aren't a lot of people who are going through the same thing but there must be right there must be someone out there when I had the diagnosis when my child was seven weeks old I was just like who's done this before, so Mm -hmm. I can see how they did it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, the whole breastfeeding, um, breast cancer overlap stuff, plus, you know, the whole fertility preservation Mm. option and um, and then life after your treatment, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you probably... I don't know if you're on, you're probably on hormone therapy as well, um, which I'm on, I'm having constant hot flashes and, Woo. um, it's not fun. No, it's so, it's so horrible. It's horrible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right though. Yeah. I think, and thank you for listening, uh, to, to previous episodes. That's so awesome. Um, but I think, uh, one of the things that you just said that was very important is knowing, You know, although still parts of your life are private, I mean, of course, you know, you don't have to scream everything from the mountaintop, but what's so vital and the reason why Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week is important is because you're right, there is someone out there um, that is either facing it right now or has faced it, maybe even at the same time you did, and them hearing your voice, them hearing you read your own piece and hearing what you've done, where you are, what you're doing is going to be a hope for them. That's really the whole reason um, I started this exceptional journey is because like you, as soon as I was diagnosed, I was like, well, where are the people like me? You know what I mean? I was looking and searching, you know, like, and so I started creating my own spaces. I started creating my own tables and then brought people into my table and said, okay, this is what we're going to do because this is, people aren't doing this. People need to hear our voices. People need to see us because there are people out there struggling with the same things that we've just dealt with. And they need to know that they can make it. They need to know that you don't have to see the whole staircase. You know what I mean? They need to know those things. Um oh, just so awesome. Yeah. Just so
1: awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, oh. thank you. Thank you so much for creating this table. And it is an absolute privilege to be a part of it and to contribute to the conversation and discussion
0: absolutely absolutely (laughs) and your story is one that needs to be told because like you said there is a mom you know I can't I can't relate I don't have any children you know what I mean like I wasn't diagnosed during COVID but there's someone who might have just gotten a diagnosis and just had a baby and they're like oh my goodness I need to talk to Lisa I need to know Lisa so thank you the privilege (laughs) is all mine um (laughs) So let me ask this. We're going to, we're going to dive into your piece a little bit here. So I loved it. I loved it. I told you that I loved it because I'm, I'm, although I don't really know how to um, sometimes describe myself to people, because although I'm very passionate, I'm creative, um, but I'm also very logical. Like I'm very organizational. I'm very like, I'm kind of both brained, if that makes sense. Most left-handed people are. But, um, <laughs> so when you talked about statistics, that was totally me. I In the very beginning, I was the one looking for journals and articles and, you know, asking all the questions because I needed to know what, what did this look like for me long-term? What did it look like for now? What did it look like, you know, long-term? So I completely um, uh, uh, relate with you know the statistics, and honestly, excuse me, that's what kind of starts the gamut. You have to know what people have already faced, kind of to know where you're going. Because, let's be honest, not every and not just with breast cancer, but with any cancer, some of the statistics can be skewed contingent upon age, contingent upon ethnicity, um, soci- mm-hmm. socioeconomic yeah. background. You know what I mean? Some of those things will differ, uh. But when i read your piece with the statistics, I was like, yes, someone who gets it, like that was (laughs) so me. So, so let me ask you this and, you know, I'm sorry to hear of your, your father passing away from cancer as well. My father um, is still living, but he had, uh, had prostate cancer. He was diagnosed the year before me. Um, So I, I, I don't know, unfortunately the, the death part of things. Um, But I do understand walking with your father through a diagnosis um, part. So, um, but I get it. I totally, totally get it. Um, These statistics though, like, let me ask you this because I know sometimes statistics can also be a little nerve wracking because you look to the statistics and and you look to them and you look to them, which is why I'm grateful that you wrote your piece how you did. And we'll get to the other, the second part I want to talk about in a second. But tell me about these statistics a little bit because sometimes they can be, you know, (laughs) I don't know about you, but just like you said about you you writing in your journal and I'm like, okay, I'm writing down this information and then I'll come back to it. And I'm like, okay, what did that say again? And sometimes we hone in so much (laughs) on them that that's all we see. Um, So tell me a little bit from your diagnosis last year till now, how have those statistics, I'm sorry, served you well and and you talk about it in your piece, uh, but then also tell me the flip side of it much like you talk about at the end of your piece, where it really is not about the statistics, it's really about living life. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Thank you, Yolanda. I, I love that question. Um, and it's it's a really good one. I, um, you know, when I first got the diagnosis, um, my, the person, the doctor who gave it to me over the phone, she was actually an OB-GYN. Mm.
0: Um,
1: she said, I don't know too much about you know, the specifics of your breast cancer. Um, I know it's, it says it's ERPR positive, which is a good thing. And she said, but please don't Google anything because um, it could take you down oh, a rabbit hole. Yes. Wait, yeah, <laughs> wait until you're, um, you get to see a clinical oncologist at McGee. Um, and I think I lasted, like, two hours before <laughs> I could,
0: <laughs> before yeah.
1: I could, uh, yeah, I just had to, I just had to start Googling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I work in, I'm not a researcher myself, but I work in, in research, and, um, uh, with a lot of scientists, and I love statistics, I've always loved statistics, um, I used, I'll say, I used to love statistics. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I, I didn't know I was HER2 positive at that point. I didn't know what stage it was. I didn't know if there was lymph node involvement. Mm. And that when you don't have the facts, um, it's, you know, you definitely can go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the pieces of advice a friend gave me when when I first told her I was diagnosed was focus on fact, not fiction. Mm. And um, which is sound advice. Um, And that week before seeing my clinical oncologist and knowing what the prognosis would be, was, it was very, you know traumatic and uh, because you don't you you have no idea like Mm. am I gonna you know should I just leave my job now and plan the rest of my last few months like traveling or seeing Mm -hmm. family or um you know it you can you can go down some serious rabbit holes when you're googling stuff Mm. yeah um so then when I met my oncologist he told me He walked in the room. He said, you are, you know, he told me the type of breast cancer, HER2 positive. And I want you to remember two words. If you don't remember anything else from our time together, remember these two words, treatable, curable. Um, And that was great. Um, I left the room on a high, because I was like, okay, great, treatable, Mm -hmm. curable, Mm curable is a big word for a clinical oncologist to use. Mm -hmm. And I left and, you know, started Googling her two positive (laughs) (laughs) outcomes for women in their 30s. And, uh, you know, I'd I'd heard about Herceptin being like a miracle drug and how great that is. Um, So I think, is for two days I was like okay I'm gonna be all right 97.5 percent um will be fine it's not gonna be easy um and then I started thinking about the chemo and losing Mm. my hair and Mm -hmm. um not being able to have enough energy to look after the baby and um so this 97.5 percent was kind of stuck with Mm. me And then I looked more closely at it and I'm glad I wrote it down in my journal um, and refer to it regularly because it's 97.5% three-year survival rate. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Hmm, what about after three years? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And how is it different for for different women? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, by... uh, your socioeconomic background, your race, how mm-hmm. these these percentages are based on averages. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone is average. Uh, right. As you know. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I started to think about, well, my risk of getting breast cancer at this age was extremely low. And I still got breast cancer. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so this 97.5% started not looking so great to me, um, especially when you think, lo- you know, long term, like no one, no one can say, oh, Lisa, after 20 years, your survival rate is still 97.5%. Right they don't the research doesn't go that far they they you know no there's no funded studies that are that long term mm-hmm. um because cancer treatment and the, the landscape is changing constantly mm-hmm. um yeah so to answer your question sorry that was a very long window no no no, no 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 do worry <laughs> yeah it at the beginning it was helpful and then and then it became less and less helpful. Um, and then, so that kind of brought me to this this aspect of how, how do you cope with this, with not knowing? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it could come back any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: so this is what is funny, but not funny, as I always say. Um, so as you were talking and reading your piece, I wrote down like just a couple key words that I wanted to make sure that we hit on. Um, and you literally said probably about four of them in the last just little bit that you said. So you hit on reoccurrence, you hit on uncertainty, um, but then you also hit on them being unhelpful, the stats being unhelpful after a while, uh, because like you said, contingent upon who you are, where you live, where you were raised, depending upon the decade that you were born. Uh, All of these things play a vital role uh, in uh, these averages, as you called them. Uh, But it is that uncertainty, which we we cling, we attempt to cling to certainty in the statistics um, because, I mean, you tell me how you feel about it, but when I was diagnosed, um, again, grasping for straws like who is like me who's gone through what i've gone through who is 36 who is african-american who is all of these things creating the spaces being a voice amazing but there's still that uncertainty because you still have to go through the journey you still have to do the treatments and the surgery and all of these things but because we've lost that control with our cancer diagnosis like you said it you feel like you've crumbled you feel like like all hope is lost because of what we thought cancer would look like from television or radio or what have you over the last couple decades. Um, but because we, we find ourselves trying to gain that control, we find solace in these statistics. Um, and like you said, Lisa, it really can be a catch-22 because it could be, oh, okay, 97.5. But then it could be, now, wait a minute, 97.5. It can put a completely different spin and perspective on it. Um, but I wanna to get to the second point is that one of the things you said in your piece, let me go to it really quick. One of the things you said, first of all, cancer survivors cannot sit comfortably with the statistics pertaining to their diagnosis, which means like we just talked about, you know, it's great to know these stats but we can't, that is not our certainty though. That is not our certainty. But what I absolutely love you said, where you talked about, um, oh goodness, where is it? Oh, however, a long life is guaranteed to no one. So becoming acutely aware of this fact through a cancer diagnosis and treatment, it can be viewed as a gift. That's astounding. That's astounding. Let's, let's hit on that really quick. Let's talk about that because a lot of people, they're like, I mean even my own father has said to me I think breast cancer is the best thing that happened to you. Um and when people hear that they're like what? So let's talk about that point. Like how how do you see that as a gift? I mean I understand it because I'm also a breast cancer survivor. But you tell me please so the people can understand.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. I and I love I love talking about this. Um, yes. one of something my um so uh and you know this is a different point which i won't get into too much but um i started seeing an integrative oncologist because i felt like you know they're pumping poison into me and it's which works you know i don't get me wrong i believe in the power of chemotherapy Mm -hmm. um but it just seems so like i don't know (laughs) anti-health because it makes you so sick yeah um so my integrative oncologist she you know we talked about this opportunity it's like it's like an opportunity that you've been given to have a diagnosis this young Mm. Um, she said it's almost like you have a superpower now Mm. Um, your your eyes have been opened to you know you're looking at you've been you've looked at mortality uh in its eyes and you know what it's like and it causes you to evaluate everything in your life um am i using you ask yourself am i using my time wisely is this the best use of my time if it's if i don't have a lot of it Mm. um that's one of the things but um Uh, Yeah, having it's like having a having a superpower. Um, I could, you know, I could have no breast cancer, um, but you know, have a terrible car accident tomorrow. Um, It's it is guaranteed to no one a long life. Absolutely. And having the opportunity to become acutely aware of it when you face a cancer diagnosis, it is like getting a superpower. Um, and something else I've, as I've been researching and learning more about cancer, as you know, um, it's a lot more common in, uh, people who are much later in their lives Mm -hmm. and and I thought you know I always like I mentioned I always had this feeling that I would get cancer and if I'd got it later um maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity to you know it would have been too far along for Mm. me to have the right treatment and uh Uh, you know have a a decent prognosis Mm. cancer takes a really long time to grow and often when when it's found in someone who's older um it's it's been there for a long time Mm. um and and I thought this is like an opportunity because mine hasn't metastasized, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a good treatment plan for it. It's almost like someone's given me a gift and they've said, you could have died, um, but you're not going to die. And here's an opportunity to change your life um and share with other people um so yeah that's that's how my thinking of
0: who that paragraph. Lisa you <laughs> just hit on so many I I used to say so when I was diagnosed um I used to say to my friends my loved ones my close friends that I would talk about it with um that so when I was first diagnosed and was telling people uh, about my diagnosis, I mean, because I, I have a, a really great support system. I have loved ones, not just in my family, but friends that are family from my church because I sing and I do all of these things. And so I have a really great support system. Um, and, you know, I told my very close friends and family, loved ones, and then I said to them, okay, just tell whoever you need to if someone asks or what have you. But I told these said people because I was I was determined in my mind Like you said, that not necessarily, I didn't see it as a gift at first, um, but I knew it was something that I was going to fight. And I knew because of my faith and I knew because I prayed and I knew I was going to be okay, that I I didn't cry like in the beginning. Now during chemo and all of that, that's a different story. But in my first like, (laughs) in my first couple months, I think I was still so in shock, but then my faith kicked in and I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. But it was those moments you talk about in your piece, those nine days of waiting, of, of waiting to hear. Um, even after I got my diagnosis, I got my diagnosis on February 8th of 2016. Um, I don't think I saw my, my um, medical, I'm sorry, my surgical oncologist until like a week later. So I still had that time frame of, you know, things going on in my mind and, you know, all of those things and I was praying, of course, cause I'm a woman of faith and, you know, all of these things are coming to make me stronger. You know, all the things we say, uh, but <clears throat> excuse me, but it was still those moments I said to people, okay, I'm not crying, so you can't cry. And people were looking at me like I was crazy, excuse me, allergies, <laughs> but people were uh, looking at me like I was bonkers and I was like no seriously I'm gonna be okay I'm gonna be good now after the 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 said time frame that I talked about you know talking about that flip side to 97.5 goodness gracious excuse me um I started thinking about it I'm sorry
1: I know you're good goodness these allergies allergies. yeah my nose has just been running all day And my throat is pretty dry as well. (laughs) I probably sound like I have a frog in my throat.
0: I said that to my friend earlier. I said, I sound like a frog. Anyway, we're going to push through. But I said to these same people, after I said, I'm not crying, you can't cry. Like a week or so later, it was that flip side to it. Like, now I'm 36 years old. I'm actually facing my own mortality here what does that feel like what does that sound like what does that look like and it was that reverse side though I was still strong I still believed that I was going to be okay but it was those moments a gift I I consider it now a gift to be able to recognize in my 30s that life is not promised that in the twinkling of an eye as the Bible says We can we can not be here any longer, but I love how your oncologist, um, integrative oncologist, said that this is like a superpower, like Mm -hmm. the the fact that in your 30s you were able to see through a lens that most people don't see until they get to their 60s is a gift.
1: That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like to think
0: about it in that context.
1: Yeah. It, it absolutely is. I and I loved hearing your story and and how that you know this this point of like has seeing it as a gift or an opportunity resonates with you because I think um you know do I just think these things myself? I'm sure there's other people who see it as a gift as absolutely. well. Absolutely.
0: No. um Yeah. 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 They're definitely. And are. Um, I've talked to them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely <laughs> good yeah and it's it's it really is you know because a lot of people i think who haven't gone through it would think how on earth would you think uh, or why on earth would you think yeah that getting a cancer diagnosis in any way is a positive thing right right um but like you like you mentioned it does give you a completely different view of life it gives you a different lens um and you know what when there are problems during the day you might be like this really isn't a problem like (laughs) it's not a big deal it
0: definitely (laughs) changes your perspective on things I remember like being after I finished active treatment after I finished radiation I remember some some uh friendships you know you know because one of, one of my close friends that's in, in our group, um, and yes, you, she says cancer is a clarifier and it makes you see things in a completely mm-hmm. different way. I had friendships, you know, that I was either like, mm, are we really still friends? You know, those type of deals. But then after cancer, I was like, Mm-mm, I don't have time to waste. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, it see Absolutely. Things in a completely yeah. different way because I didn't have time to waste. I didn't, I didn't have energy to waste. I didn't have time to waste. Because not only do you recognize that time is precious, but then even to me, after you go through a cancer diagnosis, active treatment, all of those things, it even helped me see my own worth even more uh, because I, mm-hmm. I'm still alive. I am still here. I fought through, like you said, poison in my body with chemo and radiation burns, mm-hmm. you know, second, third degree burns, mm-hmm. and I'm still here to live and tell about it oh no we're not wasting time honey we're not wasting time we're not wasting energy (laughs) no 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 so i love
1: Mm it it better be worth your time honey
0: listen everybody that knows me knows (laughs) i i do a lot of different things i wear a lot of different hats to contingent upon what space i'm in but one thing you will not do is waste my time okay (laughs)
1: i do not play those games we know how precious it is it is
0: it is and that's why i love that you wrote that it really is a gift because we're not promised we're not i mean like you said even without a cancer diagnosis we're not promised but the fact that we're able to see it now you know what i mean after a diagnosis in our 30s is even more of our superpower so i absolutely love that love 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 that um Excuse me. So the only other thing I wanted to touch on um, is uh, because, again, this piece, I can go on and on and on about it because it speaks. There's so many different resonating thoughts that a lot of people that I've been in spaces and places and a lot of people are talking about this. You're not the only one. Um, So many people are talking about the statistics, but then they take a step back and say, "Okay, now wait, statistics are not going to save my life. So let me live my life, which is the next point. Um, I like where you said. excuse me of course the martin luther king jr piece you're just a rock star for putting that in there by the way um but um and as Um,
1: i actually i cannot take credit for that because i um i listened to a a talk by um that was held by the cancer caring center a few months ago yeah Mm -hmm. and um it was they were talking about a book called um Radical Hope. Oh. Okay, I don't know yeah. if you've read it. Katie. Um, and the... What's the other yes, name? Yes, Katie Turner. I
0: think. Katie something. Yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking
1: about. Yeah. And um one of the survivors who talked that night, she 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 was a re- very radical remission survivor. I think she had stage four colon cancer mm. and was you know years um, past um, the initial awful prognosis Mm. um and she had the quote behind her um from martin luther king jr and it was you know you don't need to see the whole staircase take the first step and she talked about it to the group and just how important it is to like you don't know especially when the prognosis is bad right um you don't know. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to keep on going. You just mm-hmm. have to keep, you can't let it stop you. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I, I know that's good. I interrupted your question. No, 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 no. That's, that's good. And,
0: and that's exactly what we're, we're going to hit on lastly is, um, one of the things you said, um, in your piece is, and as we place a foot on each step, we can feel the certainty and promise of today. A day to witness explore discover love and live we have this day this day to right our wrongs correct our mistakes to hug our loved ones and to make a difference to someone oh that just sums up everything why i do all that i do because yeah. we have today like i i mean yes, yes. I have tons of planners. Um, I love Happy Planner. If anyone <laughs> ever wants to bless me, I love Happy Planner. Everything. My friends hate me because anytime we go out of town, I need to either find a Hobby Lobby or a Joanne's. I need a Michael's. <laughs> Because
1: <laughs> oh, I love it, Yolanda. <laughs> I, I'm i also like all about the to do list and oh Joanne fabric. Yes, it's Michaels ridiculous. And-
0: it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, my friends are like, You need more of what? I'm like, Don't worry about it. I don't have this sticker book yet. I need this new sticker book. I just went to Joanne's today, by the way. So, <laughs> but what I love to do, I mean, I'm an organized person, you know, I just love to keep lists, you know, because I have a lot of stuff going on. but. I literally plan, you know, for the next month or you know how we do short-term goals, long-term goals. Those things are great to have. But in our journey with our superpowers, what we've learned is we have today. Like it was a beautiful, sunshiny day today. I just stood outside. I just stood outside and let the sunshine hit my face. I felt the breeze because I'd lived in today. One of the things I love besides what I just read, uh, part of what I loved in what you wrote we have this day to right our wrongs, correct our mistakes, and to hub- hug our loved ones and make a difference. So it's not just about being right. It's not just about you know we're getting our way. But no, it's 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 really reconciliation that comes with that superpower as well, mm-hmm. because it lets us see. Not only is life now a gift, um, you know, as we've talked about our cancer diagnosis being a gift, so we can see clearer or better or longer. Um, but we can right those wrongs, those things, you know, we might have thought about a long time ago. Like, now, why did I do that? Like, what, what was I thinking? You can make that right. You can yeah. make that right. It's not too late. Yes. You have today. You have today. And then yes. love and hug on your loved ones. I know, um, you know, my mom and dad, I, I'm one of two children. I'm the oldest, if you couldn't tell, because <laughs> I'm very bossy. Everyone knows that. Um, I don't call it bossy. I've just always been a natural born leader. That's all. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. but <laughs> um, you know growing up it was just of course my mom and dad me and my brother he's 10 years younger than me and um, we knew we loved each other. We didn't say it often uh, but we knew, you know what I mean my mom and dad were always working sometimes two jobs you know to make ends meet what have you. But now like my close friends and my family know anytime we leave each other, I love you and I'll wait for, I'll stand right where I'm standing until someone says it back. And I'll, I'll, and they know by now, if you do not say it back, I said to my mom and dad the other day, I said, I love you. My dad was like, I
1: love you. I was like, (laughs) that's right. Like, yeah, you better say it. You better say it back.
0: (laughs) But what I've learned is that you can't hold those. I mean, just because someone knows you love them, doesn't know they, doesn't mean they don't need to hear it. And that you don't need to hear it as well. You know what I mean? So, oh, Lisa, this piece was amazing. (laughs) This was amazing. It hit on so many different poignant points that I needed to hear. So thank you. um, That I know our listening audience and our reading audience, when they um, read your piece, guys, it will be on the blog, thisexceptionaljourney.com. But I know people will be blessed. I know people will be transformed by your writing because- it hits on some, it hits on so many great things just as a young adult survivor that we go through, we think about, um, but then we come to the end and say, well, let me go ahead and live today. Let me, let me just go ahead and live my best life today. So, oh, and thank Wonderful. you for that quote.
1: Well, I, I, I have to say it was, it was, uh, it was difficult to write, but very therapeutic. Wonderful. And thank you so much for the opportunity um, to share my, yeah. my thoughts on this it absolutely was,
0: yeah. absolutely like i've i've you know said in in our support group and those of you that if you've not recognized up until this point um all of the people the young adults i've been speaking to this week um are from our support group young adult survivors united that link will also be down in the show notes but um a lot of times um i've spoken about in support group how um i'm grateful to have this space to be able you know, one day I said to Stephanie, um, "I think I'm going to start a podcast," and she was like, "What?" I was like, "I think <laughs> I think I'm going to start a podcast." So I bought equipment and I learned software and I did all of the things because I knew our voices needed to be heard. Period. Um, and not just breast cancer, because you know, probably have you seen on um, previous episodes, it's all young adult cancer. Um, not just breast. I mean, all of us need our voices to be yeah. heard. So I am grateful. Um, for a survivor like yourself um, to be on, to tell your truth, to be honest, um, and then let other people see you shine because you just went through a tumultuous, hellish year. Um, But look at you now. You look amazing.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Back.
0: I love it. I love it. when my hair thank grew back. You. I mean, you see how long my hair is now, but when it was growing back, it was like little peach fuzz. It was so cute. Was so cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had I had the peach fuzz. Yes, for
0: I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But again, thank you, Lisa, so much. Like I said, mm-hmm. I can continue to talk all night. But uh, you know you have a child,
1: I have things to do, you know, we just can't talk all night like we want to. Um, like, like you, like we said at the beginning, you have a life, you, you, need, have to, a life. you need to go live it. Yes, yeah. ma'am.
0: Yes, ma'am. So thank you so, so much. Is there, or would you like for um, people to reach out if they have questions, concerns,
1: comments? Absolutely. Awesome. yes. I'd, I'd yeah. love to talk to anyone who reads it or hears this and has questions or wants to just chat. I'm always, awesome. Um, I'm always really excited to meet other cancer survivors and talk about this experience. Wonderful. Um, how would you
0: prefer they reach out to you?
1: Um, I can uh, share my email address. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. It is Lisa, L-I-S-A dot Clement, K-L-E-M-E-N-T at gmail.com. Awesome. So guys,
0: please feel free. If you know of anyone, um, even after you've read or listened or watched this episode, um, if you know of anyone that's going through um, similar things that Lisa talked about in her piece and talked about in her breast cancer journey, please feel free. Um, to have them reach out to her because no one wants to ever face cancer diagnosis alone Um, and much like you've heard both of us say um, when we were going through you you instantaneously look for someone that's gone through the same thing Um, and if you have this resource in lisa use it up just give her an email (laughs) shoot her an email um I'd love to hear from you. Yes, 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 yes. So Lisa, thank you again so much, guys. She'll be back on the podcast. Don't worry about it because again, I can listen to her voice all day, but that's neither here nor there. Um, If you've lasted until the end of the episode, thank you so much for rocking with your girl and clicking over to my little corner of the podcast world. Um, I love, love, love you guys. And until next time, please continue to walk the survivor side of life.